4: Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com, as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Datino. I'm Lance Meadow. Good to be with you. And a reminder, multiple ways to interact with us here on the program, 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. And a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So we'll delve into the matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles coming up on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. First time that these teams are colliding. Philadelphia just one loss coming to the Commanders a few weeks ago on Monday Night Football. We'll get into that and also delve into some injuries as well. And Paul, that's probably a good place to start. Brian Dable spoke to the media earlier today. Saquon Barkley popped up on the injury report yesterday as a limited participant due to a neck issue. And when Dable spoke to the media today, he said he's dealing with a sore neck. Mm -hmm. He was asked definitively, what does that mean about his status? And as always, it was a bit of a gray area. <laughs> he wasn't giving you any answer, but he said you they'll mean we basically translate. Yes, essentially, <laughs> you they'll go. evaluate what's going to happen over the next few days, and they'll determine probably before the game how he feels. I don't think anything's alarming, Paul. I would say at this point because one of the things Dable did indicate is it's just the wear and tear of the season, and they don't want to overdo it with Saquon at this point.
0: His quote was, uh, "Neck is a little sore." He also said, "Quote, it's just a long season." Said he was going to be limited today, and then the quote was, probably got to see if he plays against Philadelphia. Now, already on the Giants WFAN Twitter account that I have, I've given you some short video of uh, Barkley, who, again, expected to be limited today. They're only in shells, which is shoulder pads only, light shoulder pads, uh, and he's taking a handoff and just running up the middle on on a strictly uh, running back dummy play. There's nothing, nothing, uh, no hitting going on, nothing like that. So he did say that Barkley was expected to be limited going into yesterday's practice. So this was not a recent development, was something that suddenly popped up. Load management is a very, very prominent word in today's athletics. And I think in all honesty, folks, this probably is as much a percentage of load management as it is even the sore neck. I really believe Well, that. he's
4: been resting other starters earlier in the week. Yes. In love, Dexter Lawrence, Mark Lewinsky. Yeah, They all got rest days.
0: It yep. is December, after all. Yep. And uh, Leonard Williams, also today, we know he's been dealing with a sore neck. No change in his situation. He's also getting a lot of load management today as well. In fact, when I was out there during the open portion of the practice, he was not doing anything. He was in his jersey and shells with a helmet, but he wasn't doing anything. So, you know, to be frank with you, I don't know how much he'll do, if anything, today. That doesn't mean he's going to play or doesn't go, or isn't going to play. But these are things we just need to be aware of. The point is you don't want to overreact to one of these status reports. Sure. Because the load management factor really creates a gray area, if you will, so that you don't have a sense of certainty, at least from the outside, as to whether or not the guy's going to play. The only guys who he did rule out, and I did post this, uh, he did rule out Azudu, he ruled out uh, Lemieux, and Dory uh, Jackson. Jackson. Yep, that's right. He says Jackson is, quote, day-to-day, by the way, day-to-day, there have been other guys, though, that have been
4: day-to-day, too. They have been. So, <laughs> they have been. Day-to-day <laughs> is a term used very loosely. And somehow
0: those days yeah. came later rather than <laughs> well, sooner. Well, that's
4: my point. So, <laughs> just like you said, don't read into much about a status report. I think that applies to a Dory Jackson. And the
0: filing injury, Bredesen, quote, better than last week, improved, more optimistic, but not 100%. And
4: that's it. Now, the only thing I will say, and this is me doing exactly what you told me not to do, but I'm going to violate your rules in terms of reading too much into a status report okay when a player doesn't practice though three straight days and we don't know what leonard williams classification is going to be because we don't have the full practice
0: report right usually that's not a great sign is all i'll say paul i agree i agree and to be honest you know leonard williams is the kind of guy because he's in the trenches and power is a big part of his game if he's dealing with any discomfort in his neck that could somehow impact his strength or shoulder, you know, any of that, you're, you're really not putting him in a very favorable position, not just to execute, but also a safety issue. Sure. I mean, he's in trench warfare on the line of scrimmage. So if he can't truly operate correctly and effectively, he's also in a position where he can't defend himself.
4: And the last thing you want to put him in is a position where, God forbid, he'll re-aggravate something and then we we'll no talk doubt. about a long-term issue where you lose him perhaps for the remainder of the regular season. Yeah. Never now, one thing spot.
0: Dable did say when he was asked, do you think the status report on any of these guys uh, is going to be impacted by the fact that you play Washington next week? And Dable said, no, no, that's, that's not the case we're not thinking that way. And it shouldn't be like that. No, you can't. It's not like this Eagles game is a throwaway game
4: where you could just say, yeah, hey, we're going to go out there and it right. doesn't matter. You can't the do result that. matters for this week. It,
0: it does. Yeah. Look, as much as we talk about the tiebreakers and the positioning and all that other stuff, the bottom line is, if you win a game, you win a game and it's a good thing. And it's an
4: inch <laughs> closer to perhaps trying to lock up a playoff spot. Yeah. Right. I mean, believe me, they're going to try to win this game. 100%. Well, let's get into this game because... This is an Eagles team that ranks top five in nine major statistical categories, and I'm sure there's a lot more, but at least the nine that I evaluated. We know there's very few weaknesses. If you want to look for one game where they slipped up, okay, well, you go to week 10, Monday Night Football that I referenced off the top of the show. So what happened in that game, Paul? Two things come to mind. Number one, the Commanders dominated time of possession. You know how I feel about time of possession, but what was different about time of possession here is they actually finished drives. So they put value and substance behind time of possession. They ran the ball 49 times for 152 yards. And they scored touchdowns. So that was big. The second factor, and this is an extremely rare occurrence, let's face it, it hasn't happened since, the Eagles coughed the ball up four times, one of which ended the game. So there were three true ones during the course of the game. Which was
0: a score also.
4: Correct. So but, don't be deceived by
0: the final tally.
4: But Washington scored off of those other turnovers, which yes. was big too. But the point is, and here's where things come back into perspective, Philadelphia has the best turnover differential in the NFL. It's plus 13. They have 10 turnovers on the season. So do the math. They had four alone against the Commanders. That means, Paul, in the 11 other games that they played, they had six total turnovers. So the reason I say that is, listen, on Sunday, could the Eagles have four turnovers again? Sure. Okay, I'm sure there's a probability that that happens in a world that that exists. But the percentages do not bode very well That what happened Monday night against the Commanders is going to be duplicated. So the point is, you can't think you're going to go into this game and think Philadelphia is going to have another season high in turnovers when they've only had six in the other eleven games.
0: How about rain?
4: (laughs) Okay, if that's what you're hoping for and praying for, we could go with that angle.
0: It's uh, it's uh, from what I understand, 69 percent chance of rain during the course of the afternoon. And to be frank with you, I'm not kidding. Even Brian Dable was asked about, do you have to have a contingency plan for the weather? And he said, yeah. because you got to remember, I, I'm coming from Buffalo. I Trust me. He's like, this is Florida compared to Buffalo. But you always have to have a contingency plan for weather. Uh, and so I'm not going to lie to you. The Giants' secondary, the way it is, and the Eagles' passing game, the way that that is, probably one of the hopes you have to narrow that gap a little bit is really bad weather. I'm not I'm not pulling any punches here, Lance. Bad weather would actually help the Giants a little bit. It's not going to necessarily mean they win the game, but it could narrow the gap.
4: Sure, but with that being said, remember, the Eagles can rely on their rushing attack too if the weather's bad. Well, they can, but it, it. it
0: does eliminate one significant... Not eliminate, but it lessens one significant head-to-head advantage that they have. They've got a dangerous passing game with very strong and powerful weaponry. The Giants have a depth chart secondary, okay, that they're still playing with. And on the other side, the Eagles have a really good secondary, and the Giants have a depth chart wide receiving core. So it works on both ends of the head-to-head spectrum if the weather absolutely sucks on Sunday.
4: Well, one way or another, regardless of what the weather is going to be like, this is a game that is going to be defined based on the play up front because the Eagles, we know, have a very strong offensive line. Only one of their players missed one game this year. That was Jordan Mailata. He was out earlier this season against the Cardinals. All four other starters have played every single game, so they have not missed a beat. And then on the defensive front... Coming into this game, had they not added, Paul, in recent weeks, Linvo Joseph and Dominican Sue, mm-hmm. I think we could have had a very serious conversation here that the Giants should be able to take advantage of a leaky Eagles run defense. With that being said, Linvo Joseph and Dominican Sue have made an immediate impact from a positive standpoint in helping them clean up that rushing defense, not to mention also Jordan Davis is back who missed a few games due to injury. So those three now, the fact that they're back in the mix, the defensive rotation, I'm not saying that the Eagles are a lockdown run defense. They still have problems, but I think they're in a lot better shape than if you and I were having this conversation four or five weeks ago.
0: I would totally agree with that. And if you go back to the Washington game, and folks, I studied it play-by-play all the way through early this morning, what you saw is a Washington offense that was extremely patient that did well on first down, they made sure that, you know, if they were running the ball, it wasn't a zero or a minus one or minus two. When they ran the ball on first down, they got four yards. Yep. They got five yards. Okay. I know you love the third and long, third and short uh, statistical breakdowns. Lance, you saw the difference that that can make in the Washington offense that night. Their first down running plays were effective which did something to take some of the teeth out of the Eagles' defensive line pass rush. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand, folks. The Commanders had four scoring drives in that game of a minimum of 12 plays. Think about that for a second. 12 play drives. How many of those do you think you get a game in an average NFL game? And certainly the Giants offense, which has some challenges. How many do you think they're going to get? on a a given day, never mind Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. But that's what you need to try to do. And to do that, you can't give up sacks. You can't give up offensive holds. You can't give up hands to the face. You can't uh, have false starts. Okay? You can't have illegal formations. uh, You can't have dropped passes. Hello, Giants. You have 32 dropped passes on the season. You can't have that. If you're going to put together 12-play drives, Washington had four of them. Four minimum 12-play drives in that game and scored points on every one of them, Lance. That, that is going to be critical for the Giants to have a chance to win this week.
4: Yeah, Joey Sly also added two 50-plus-yard field goals, too, to cap off some lengthy drives. To your point... In order to rely on that, you have to play perfect football. And what Washington did was Washington only had five penalties, Paul, in that game. That, to me, is a huge statistic. Because if you're going to tell me you're going to go into the game and you're going to put together 12 to 14 play drives that you referred to, you better avoid all of those negative plays as you listed. And Washington did a good job of doing that. So that's the other thing that had to go right for them to solve this Eagles riddle.
0: Well, consider the fact that there was a horrific... A horrific personal foul, late hit call, uh, where the Eagles just were just. I mean, I can't on even Heineke imagine. You about yeah, yep. I can't imagine what they were thinking on a late hit on Heineke as Washington's trying to run out the clock, and inexplicably the Eagles give them a first down. I believe it was Brandon Graham yep. gets called for for a late hit on Heineke as he's going out of bounds.
4: Unnecessary reference. Okay,
0: I mean, he wasn't I mean, even out of bounds actually. He was down in the field yeah, of
4: play, Paul. That's right. He and was. Graham never slowed down. Yeah. And he just hit him. It was near the, near the sideline, It was near, though.
0: but, I mean, he was in the play. But here's the thing, okay? That's just stupid. And, and that's the kind of thing. Look, this was a, a one-score game, less than a touchdown, with, what, six minutes to play or whatever it was, and the Eagles had back-to-back drives where they fumbled the ball away. They had Goddard getting his face mask practically ripped off. The officials don't see it. He gets hurt on the play fumbles it away, Davis picks it up. They said he was down, so he wasn't allowed to run it back for a touchdown, but originally he ran it into the end zone. They reviewed it and brought it back, and then it was, um, was it? Quiz uh, Watkins. Yeah, Quiz Watkins. 50-yard catch. Wide open, catches it, makes a move, and then St. Juice comes from behind and wraps him up and knocks the ball out, and Washington recovers. Well, trust me, (laughs) on on that pass play, Philly tilted the field, and they were probably going in for what would have been the go-ahead touchdown in the game. So this Philly brought like their C game into that night against the Commanders. They really did. It was like their C game. If they bring their
1: C game here Sunday, the Giants have a chance. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Absolutely. It's just my point is, how often have the Eagles brought their seed game this season? I haven't watched
0: all their tape. <laughs> no, but, but
4: the numbers alone should tell if, you.
0: If, if I were an Eagles uh, or a Philadelphia announcer talking about that game on the Monday morning or the, the day after that game, I would be sitting here talking about all of the dumb things they did all of the mistakes they made, all of the stuff that went against them saying, hey, Washington did not win that game, Philadelphia lost that game. That's what I would have been doing. Missed opportunities, especially to me. I know you mentioned the
4: Goddard, the penalty that was missed. The Quez Watkins fumble was the killer because unlike the Goddard play, Paul, you were at the Washington 23 Are oh, they when he in. makes that catch. They're going in. And at this point, it's 26-21. They could very well score the go-ahead touchdown there.
0: Oh, not just – probably the winning touchdown, to be honest Possibly. with you. Because there's sure. not a lot of time left in the game at that point.
4: Yep, there was about five minutes left. So that was huge, and that was a big killer in terms of field position, lost possessions, as I like to call them. One other point that I want to bring up, and this goes back to my point about the trenches, the Eagles' defense – Balanced attack, Paul. We're talking about this is one of the most balanced defenses that the Giants are going to have seen this season because they're second in the NFL with 42 sacks. We talked about all the big guys up front, and it's spread across the board. They have five players who have at least five sacks right. this season, but it's the secondary, too. And James Bradbury, we know, is over there with Darius Slay. Mm-hmm. You know, not many teams, Paul, could say they have two corners. And Nick Siriani was talking about this this week, and this is not an earth shattering development, but when you go into a game sometimes you say all right this is a corner maybe we can attack right This is a corner we feel good about matchup wise when it comes to Philadelphia <laughs> you don't have that with their two edge well, guys and with Avante Maddox coming back by the way I'm not saying that he's James Bradbury or Darius Slade but Avante Maddox coming off of IR gives them a security blanket now with the nickel
0: position as well and it goes back to what I said on the show the other day the Giants have to be able to run the ball no doubt and Quite frankly, Daniel Jones has to be part of that. I do believe, though, that counters and speed, hello, Matt Breida, could be something you'd want to use against Well, maybe he team.
4: gets more of an opportunity with Barkley. I would hope so. Well,
0: I would hope regardless of what's going on with yeah. Barkley, I would hope Breida would get more of a chance. And then the other thing you've got to do is to be able to use the short pass. Because Heineke was able... In the course of that game, as they were running and running and running, he was able to hit little seven yarders, eight yarders, ten yarder, yep. six yarder. He was able to maintain patience, and that's one thing I give the the, the uh, commanders credit for. Ron Rivera and his staff forced it down the throats of that offense and Heineke. Don't take too many chances. Just be patient. Even if it takes 12, 13, 15 plays to get downfield and score, and we only get three, it's okay. Because you're taking time off the clock. This is one of those times, Lance, where if you control the clock and you march downfield, three isn't necessarily a bad thing. Because to control the clock and to get some points Can be a very friendly situation for your team.
4: Well, to your point, Washington had a pair of long field goals, as I mentioned. So I'm with you there. But you just you have to make make sure those drives have to finish with points. Some points. They cannot be. We're just going to milk the clock, and all of a sudden we're going to have to punt after going ten plays, forty yards, or something like that. You just you can't afford to do that. And with respect to the third down situation, Washington was 12 of 21 on third down. They converted 12 Mm -hmm. third downs and if the Giants could put themselves in a position where they face those 3rd and 4s and 3rd and 5s, you like their ability to put together those lengthy drives. If you don't manufacture much of anything on 1st and 2nd down, you do not want to be in 3rd and longs against this Eagles team because they have the big boys that will absolutely pressure Daniel Jones and come. It's
0: 1st down even more than 2nd down that's important, in my opinion. Okay, Because that sets the table for the rest of the drive. You don't want to be caught where it's second down and nine, okay? Because no, second all, down right. and nine, more often than not, you're probably going to wind up throwing the ball. And that puts you in that one-dimensional scenario that Philly wants you to be in. So it's that first down play where you want to be able to get chunks of four, five, or six, more importantly than anything else, because then once you get into that second and five, second and four scenario, now you're, your board is wide open. We have you some can, options. You can do yeah. anything you want. Sure. And then even after that, Even on third and four, third and three, you might still be able to run the ball. So the first down, first down is clearly the most important down this game.
4: Well, and also when you have second and third and longs, remember, there's an Eagles team that has a 23 takeaway total, which is an NFL high. Do you really want to put yourself in a position to give them opportunities to play? I'm with you. More of a reason why. All right, a few reminders before we open up the lines here. The Giants Huddle Podcast. Make sure you go subscribe. Podcast features a rapid reaction right after each game with one of our analysts. An episode midweek featuring an interview with a national analyst and then a game preview featuring a long-form interview with a current Giants player. An exclusive sit-down with Bob Popp and head coach Brian Dable as well as an opponent preview of that week's opponent. Search for Giants Huddle on your favorite podcast platform or you can listen on the Giants app or at Giants.com slash podcasts. Don't miss Giants football at MetLife Stadium this season. There are limited tickets available for remaining home games. You can visit Giants.com slash tickets to find your game and secure your seat. And last but not least, the Giants' official connected TV streaming app is Giants TV. It brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV is free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. Lance Metal Paul Dottino with you here. Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Let's open up the lines as we get you set for the Giants of the Eagles Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Atticus is in the Poconos. Atticus, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us?
5: Hey. Hey, guys. Happy Friday. You too. Same to you. All right. Listen, I listen to this show every day. I absolutely love it. It's a part of my pregame workout routine or whatever you want to call it. Well,
0: thank you. Um,
5: yep. I want to, Yeah, absolutely. I want to just bring up a couple of things. First, the, the job that this coaching staff has done with this next man up mentality is truly a thing of beauty. I mean, from all the coaches and trainers, we've got backups of backups who are going in and playing at a very high level. And I don't think I've seen a team to not really complain about the the loss of players due to injury or sickness or whatever the case may be. Uh, to do this well as much as the Eagles did when they went on their Super Bowl run a few years ago where they had a decimated secondary and they were bringing guys in off the street. Yeah, it was was more than than the secondary on that team. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just its unbelievable the job these guys done, so I want to tip my hat to those guys. And looking at this game, like, for whatever reason, I felt very uneasy about Washington coming in last week. And they ended up. Uh, I mean, we didn't win. We, I mean, we didn't win. We didn't lose. We tied. It was like just a real funny feeling once the game concluded. But I really thought that the Washington Commanders were gonna win that game, um, <clears throat> only because it's like, it, like I hate the saying that you know that's a game that we're supposed to win because I like Russ says I don't think we've earned the right to say we should win this game. I don't. I just don't think we have. You know, it's been seven years of, like, like Paul says, the quicksand of mediocrity where we've been basking in it. And it's just until I see us doing it on a consistent basis, I don't feel comfortable saying we should win any game. But what I will say, going into this game against Philly, I feel pretty good about it. Number one, I think our defense with ojalari coming back and the way that Thibodeau's game is just improving every single week. Um, And our line is finally looking like they're healthier than they've been in a while. I'm really liking our chance on the line against their offensive line um, playing well. And the Giants have played some scrambling quarterbacks and have done well against that. If they can contain their running backs, I think we have a pretty good chance. Um,
4: Well, that's the key. I mean, there's really a four-headed monster back there in terms of what Philadelphia presents. You have to account for three running backs, and then you have to account for the quarterback. And... Jalen Hurts, he is a big part of that run game, and he'll fake you-know-what out of you, and then all of a sudden you're going right, and then he's going left, and you're like, what just occurred? So it's not just, to me, so much about putting pressure, Paul, on Jalen Hurts. It's about being well-disciplined so you don't give up some of those chunk plays from the quarterback.
0: No question. And it's hard a lot of times when you're talking about edge rushers to say, look, you need to rush at 80%. You can't rush at 100% because 100% is going to force you to blow by and then he's going to take off. You got to rush at 80% to maintain your lanes. That takes an awful lot. I mean, that's. That's like... Hard to turn the flip. Well, you're flip on the, the New switch. Jersey Turnpike at 3.30 in the morning on a Sunday. There's nobody on the road. You want to get home, and all of a sudden you look at your speedometer and you realize you're hitting 85. And it's like, okay, yeah. oh, that's hard, yeah. man. That's really sure. hard. I, I think that oh, I agree with all of that, but I also think
5: that you know the Giants this year have shown uh, the ability to do well against scrambling quarterbacks. I mean, they contain Justin Fields when... Justin Fields, I mean, he got a little bit of hurt from one of his receivers, but they really kept him to uh, a respectable amount of yardage that he would normally gain rushing the ball. And I think he leads the league in quarterback rushing um, front line of scrimmage, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Fields had seven for
4: 52. He averaged seven and a half yards per carry. So, yeah, total-wise, I wouldn't say it was damaging, but average-wise, he had a, yeah. a nice average per carry.
0: See, per one run. thing to remember about Hurts is that the truth is, even though he runs an awful lot, he is still looking to throw the ball, yep. and that's one thing. Wink Martindale made a big point of the other day when he talked to the media. He said, "You got to remember something. He will throw it at the last possible second. He is not yeah. one of those guys who makes up his mind as he's taking off that I'm going to run. No, he's running, he's running, he's running, and he's still looking to throw it." And then, boom! All of a sudden, he throws that dart, and his his weaponry specifically. Now, I know Goddard's not there, and that's a, that's somewhat of a big deal. But between Smith and um, and uh, um, Brown. Uh, Brown, he has two guys who can not only beat you with their flat-out speed, but both guys are terrific route runners, and that's where it really becomes a painful task.
4: Yep, and Atticus, appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for giving us a ring here. With respect to the other mobile quarterback that they went up against, Lamar Jackson, obviously falls under that category. He had seven runs for 77 yards. He averaged 11 per run. Mm -hmm. So the reason I'm bringing that up, Paul, is to the last caller's point, yeah, you didn't have anyone get 100 yards or some ridiculous number, but it's what you're giving up per run – to give them manageable second and third downs under those circumstances.
0: Well, they certainly got to Lamar Jackson at the end of the Baltimore game. They didn't let his legs beat them then. Timing is everything. Sure. You know, yep. and, and and timing really is. And you, you illustrate that an awful lot when you talk about the different philosophies. You're like, well, when does it happen? You talk about that with turnovers and with penalties. It's also when does your pocket break down and allow that guy to scramble for a third and 12 conversion?
4: Absolutely. Let's head back to the phone lines. Garrison is in Mississippi joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Garrison?
5: Hey, uh, Lance and Paul. How y'all doing Hi. Today? We're
4: doing all right. What's on your mind?
5: Good. Hey, uh, I haven't called in a while, um, but I know I've been listening to y'all's podcast and everything, the uh, media, the huddle. Y'all been doing a great job. And with everything y'all said,
1: well, thank you. I'm very
5: happy with our uh, se- season so far, Um uh, I still think Daniel Jones is our quarterback. Um, and I did say a bold prediction was going to be 8-8-1, and and right now we're doing even better than I thought. Um, I just had two things I wanted to talk about. Um, I don't know if y'all said it earlier today. Um, do you think Darius Clayton is going to be matched up against James Bradbury?
0: Well, it's hard to say because they've got the ability with those two guys uh, to keep them left and right. They don't need to match up anybody. Yeah, they don't have to worry about moving Slate guys can around. play one side, Bradbury can play the other, and they don't need to travel. They just don't. So I, I would anticipate not. I, I I would think that the Giants would line up their receivers wherever they're going to put them, and the Eagles will keep their corners exactly where they are and not travel them. So will Slayton go up against Bradbury on occasion? I'm sure he will. There'll be times he'll be on that side. Well, of the because field. of his
4: length, I think matches
0: up well you know, with Darius Slade. But at the same time, uh, Hodgins also has length, and the Giants seem to have this proclivity in, in the last month of making him the ex receiver. Now, you know, that would, in most cases, mean the ex receiver is going to line up opposite Bradbury. So Hodgins would probably be the guy who draws him more often than not. We illustrated that, I did with Sean O'Hara during the head to head. On the MSG Brian Dable preview show this week.
5: Yeah, see, my question was just because, like, I know when he was with us, I know they matched up and, like, practiced and everything. Yeah, but they don't need to.
0: Like, Darius Smith. They don't need to. They've got they've got yeah. Slay on yeah. the other side. There's no need to travel him.
4: Yeah, they have the flexibility to say we can move guys around if we want or we don't have to worry about it. Now, with that being said, but see, this goes back to your point, Paul, about they're comfortable with Slay or Bradbury matched up against Darius Slay because what I was going to say is if you're the Eagles looking at the Giants' offense, Darius is probably the one wide receiver you're thinking about sure. compared to anybody sure. else. So you want to know where he's out on the field, but – The bottom line is, if Darius Slay is is on his side of the field or Bradbury, what's the difference from Philadelphia's perspective?
0: Well, look at it this way, and this is no disrespect to to Slayton. We all like Slayton here. But the truth of the matter is, he is not a Pro Bowl or all-NFL caliber receiver, which is the other reason that sometimes you'll travel a guy. Not necessarily because of who you have on your team, but is that wide receiver so good, so great, that you feel you need to travel to contain him. Darius Slayton may be the best receiver the Giants have, but he is not so incredibly dynamic that you would be forced to travel a corner.
4: Yep, And appreciate the phone call, Garrison. Thanks so much for giving us a ring here. With respect to Slayton, though, he has made some explosive plays over the last few weeks. Well, he's top five in the NFL
0: in average yards per catch
4: absolutely so that's encouraging and you you notice when he's making those explosive plays more often than not the giants then have an opportunity to finish drives because we talk about the importance of that it goes back to paul the tennessee game what was the common element in the three touchdowns that they had in that game they had one explosive play on each of those drives you need to continue to pile those up those had been absent
0: in the previous weeks and you know what's interesting. You look at the Washington game plan offensively when they played Philly, and I told you, four drives, 12 plays or more. They had a few 20-yarders in there. They had a couple of big plays, you know, sprinkled in. But here's the thing, all right? So you're trying to drive down and knock off a whole bunch of clock, and you're trying to make it a 13-play touchdown drive. Well, if you knock off 35 yards on one of those plays, it means the other 35 yards are going to probably be only like two yards a pop. Sure. Just just by the mathematics of it. So in some ways, an explosive play, while critical in a normal situation, if you're really trying to play the game of we're going to take a 14-play scoring drive— that can work almost to your disadvantage.
4: Oh, absolutely. Well, it goes back to what we were talking about with the Washington-Philly game earlier. You've got to make sure that you avoid those negative plays or else it's going to come back to bite you big time. Let's head back to the phone lines. We've got Rich in Williamsburg joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Rich?
3: Well, first of all, Merry Christmas to you guys. Uh, You guys are absolutely the best. Congratulations on the video. Great to see you guys. And already. Thank you. Back yes. at you. So you,
4: go, you. Putting a camera in the room was awesome. very hard, heavy lifting. So we appreciate you acknowledging <laughs> that. Yes. I'm just glad you didn't tune us out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, he takes some provolone and some sausage, right, Paul? There you yeah. go. So um, most of us diehards were, after the many years of woeful, lackluster performances, and then again, again when I go back to 1961, um, We just wanted something that was improvements, you know. So pinch me, we're 7-4-1. And And there's been some discussions on the show the last few days about what the season is. Is it a success? Is it a fair? Well, here's a reality check. and If you want to check out Bob Papa and Carl Banks' show, it's called Believe in Giants. It's a really good podcast. And they had a great point. Take the Giants' starting roster from last week. For instance, in the secondary, I think there were... There was only one starter that was there in the beginning of the year. Julie Love. Love, correct, Paul. You had some. You had some numbers yesterday. You said. We've started 70 guys on that 53-man roster since
0: the first Actually, Len I mean, called in and said that. I could not confirm that. I hadn't actually looked at the numbers yet. I was so busy watching the Philly-Washington game, I didn't go back and check it, but I will.
4: And keep in mind, to me, Rich, it's not so much how many guys you started. It's who, how it's many who. guys get notable snaps yeah. over the
0: course of the season. And, and right. who, that, and to who me. was missing and who had to replace yeah. them.
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Exactly. A a great point. I think that uh, Shane has done an absolutely marvelous job. I think the Giants lead the league this year, and players who have been on that team on the 53 who weren't there on the first game. But anyway, back, back to reality. Take the Giants roster, man for man, the guys that played, not necessarily started, the guys that played last week, put it in Madden, which is a computer program, right. yes. against, the, against the starting Washington team, and see what happens.
5: Well, Just but, see what happens.
3: Well,
4: that's why we don't play games that's a reality check. on video consoles. <laughs> I mean, that's your point, essentially. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with you there, but remember, you know, you got to have guys that buy in. You have to have guys that also adapt to the system well, and they have. And that's why I think some players have played maybe above and beyond expectations. Even Wink, when he spoke to the media the other day, he was asked about Aziz and Kayvon being on the field for the first time in a long time together. And he says, it's just remarkable how many guys we've been through over the course of the season. Even Mm -hmm. he took a step back when he's talking to his coaches, his assistants, and saying, it's remarkable how many guys we've had in and out of the lineup. So, I mean, they even have had to take a step back and say to themselves, wow. I mean, look at what we've been the through. The number I gave out
0: the other day is that in the fourth quarter in overtime as the Giants are trying to hold on to that game against Washington, they only had four anticipated week one starters on the field out of the 11 players on defense. They had Lawrence Thibodeau, Ogilari and Love. The other seven players on the field that would try to hold on to that seven-point lead were all depth chart, if not deep depth chart guys I think I counted four of them didn't even have a job opening day in the NFL. They were, they were guys picked up off the scrap heap.
3: No doubt. And that's, that's my point. You know, I was, I was very disappointed with the loss, especially considering Well, it's not a theory. loss. to a tie. Well, I mean, I'm sorry with the tie. You're <laughs> right. But, but I have to push myself from away from the table and say, look, look at that roster. He doesn't have a, a Metcalf. He doesn't have a Tyler Lockett. He doesn't have a Gallup. He doesn't have a C.D. Lamb. He doesn't have, nope. you know, all-pro offensive linemen. And look, hey, look he doesn't even have a Johnny
0: Perkins, for goodness sakes. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, or,
3: right. Or Eldridge Small. Remember that, Paul? Oh, Eldridge yes, I Small? do
0: remember Eldridge. Oh, Amen. man. So anyway,
3: that's just a reality check for all us diehards. Um, they are definitely trending up no matter what happens the rest of the year. And I am so excited about next year when, when Joe has cap money and can uh, he has a lot of big decisions to make. But, you know, we have, what, 10 or 11 draft choices plus a decent amount of cap. We know the holes that need to be filled, and so do they. So I'm I'm really excited about what they're doing. All right, Rich. So anyway, thanks. Yep, Great, show.
4: Keep up the good work.
3: Appreciate Merry the Chris. phone call.
0: Yep, same to you. Real quick, Lance, in short fashion, I'll simply say this. This is the first year of the Dable shane era. It is next to impossible and certainly unrealistic to expect that in the first year of any organization's new era, they're going to be able to plug every single hole in that dam sufficiently. It's going to take, you know, more time than that. This team has done yeoman's work to be able to get to where they are and be in position to possibly do something. But if you were to ask Dable and Shane with some truth serum right now, sit here and tell us, did you come close to filling all the holes you wanted to fill? They would say, what, are you kidding me? Oh, <laughs> we yeah. we knew that year two was going to involve other holes that we couldn't get to in year one. They realized they had a lot of work to do. They knew. Yeah.
4: Yes, absolutely. And that's why it's a credit to the coaching staff for developing some of these guys this year. And, and the plugging them in, Sure, you're locating, seeing which players make a good fit, and you go from there. And they've certainly maximized that and made the most of that. I counted through the snap counts by my estimation, it looks like 43 guys on offense and defense have played about 20% of the snaps. And that, to me, is a good barometer. I went with 20% as the cutoff. 43 total guys I have between the offense and the defense. I didn't get into special teams.
0: Oh, for the season. For the season. Yes, so far. For this year.
4: Yeah. Just to give you an idea. I'm Remember, I'm not interested in who started. They could have been on the field for the first right. two plays and right. then left. It's irrelevant. It's Bulk of the snap. So twenty percent was my cutoff. I've got forty three guys now the, the, only, the, the only the only
0: danger now you you went for offense and defense. Special teams is a big thing, too. And the yeah. first thing that happens when your team gets hurt is that your special teams gets absolutely drained. Because now you're trying to elevate guys from the back of the depth chart who are supposed to be your special teams guys. They're trying to move up. Practice squad guys are moving up to special teams. And to be frank with you, Thomas McGee is one of the best special teams coaches in this league. Everybody in the league knows that. It's the reason he's been with the Giants through many coaches and has been here more than once. Because he's that good. He's had to do it every year. And the Giants' return game? is really kind of nil this year. They're not getting anything out of their return game. And quite honestly, they've been very inconsistent in some of their kick coverage as well. And that's not because of him. It's because the roster has been absolutely decimated. So I do think in some degree, even the people with less than 20% of the snaps that you may have just isolated... Those other snaps that you weren't looking at are still important because it's probably been part of why the special teams have been so ragged.
4: Yeah, and it would probably bring a few more guys up above 20% if I factor that in. So, but once again, 70 to me seems very high, though, if that was the I don't, number that was thrown out. Yeah,
0: I think the number that he used was that there have been 70 players active. Okay, but active doesn't really mean
4: much of anything. Active, you can have guys that are active and not I think
0: I would do a deeper dive, something along the lines of what you said, but also along the lines of what Lance said before I actually tried to chew on it. Uh, Again, I spent too much time watching the Philadelphia Eagles Week 10 game in the last 12 hours that kind of made my stomach sick. (laughs) I did not attempt to do anything else.
4: By the way, that's why Thomas McGahee, you're talking about what he does on it. Yearly basis, weekly basis. That's why he refers to the gumbo when describing
0: putting together the special teams together. Explain that. Every single.
4: Oh, it's a great line. He was basically, well, you should love it because it's a food analogy. I'm surprised you didn't bring it up. Well,
0: I don't eat Louisiana food. Well, I'm not saying I'm a big gumbo consumer. But, you know, that's Cajun food.
4: The point was that there's different types of gumbo, obviously. And there's different ingredients to the gumbo. So some weeks he may have to use shrimp as the main ingredient. And then another week, he may have to utilize whatever is in the kitchen. That was his point. I thought it was a very good. Parallel oh, it's a great point to he's, sell he's, home. he's
0: stirring the gumbo. Correct, exactly. That's all he could do. So,
4: yeah, I'm just I'm kind of disappointed because he has not brought it up. Normally, McGee brings it up. He did bring it up the other day. I feel like there was a question that brought it up. Though, I think he so. He himself didn't. Might say. have been. Yeah. Normally, he's very good at pinpointing that as part of the conversation. I can bring
0: a pasta anytime you like.
4: Well, we know. You have not disappointed in that regard. That's why I'm not looking towards the food analogies on this program. I'm looking more towards the ones that he talks about in his press conference. Big Ed is in Maryland joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Big Ed?
2: What's up, guys? How y'all doing? Good Good morning,
0: my man. How are
2: you? What's on your mind? Oh, man. Lance, I'm glad to see you doing better. I'm glad you're feeling better. Me too. Who said I wasn't feeling good? Um uh, John, I'm saying you were a feeling where well you had a
4: cold or something. Oh, okay. Other I didn't realize that John provided play-by-play of that. Okay. Because <laughs> I was going to be like, it wasn't, certainly I didn't go out publicly and what? acknowledge. Excuse me, if
0: he's got a cold, I'm getting no, out of the I'm, picture. I'm totally
4: fine. I just, I was wondering where you got that intel. That's why. Go ahead. Okay. What's up, Big Ed?
2: Hey, guys. Look, Paulie. Now, I watched, I watched the game again, right? Which one? I the Giants-Commanders game.
1: Okay.
0: Right? Okay.
2: Now, I'm going to start there. I'm going to say this. We lost that game, and we shouldn't have lost that game. Correct. We should have scored two more times, and we didn't. And yep. most importantly, we didn't stop them when we had that
4: seven-point lead.
2: Yeah. That was the big thing
0: for that. That yeah. was big. Right? Got, got some help from the other guys on the field, too, but we won't go there. Well, the fourth and fourth right, right, though, right. That was that big play. But go ahead. Yeah.
4: Okay. Well, this uh, this is 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 why,
0: you know what, before I let you go ahead, this is one of the reasons (laughs) why I feel very confident when the Giants play Washington in another week, and I don't want to go there yet because it's still Friday before this game. I think the rematch is going to be Mm -hmm. a very good day for the Giants. Just let me throw that in for you. And it's going to go very well for the Giants. It's my birthday,
2: bro. It's going to be a big one. There you go. I will be out there. You better be there. And you better say hi to me
0: down behind the bench.
2: Yeah. Look, next time. I tried to stop you running up the up the uh, hallway, but you had to get in. I realized why you had to do it. I got you, Paulie. I, All right, I, brother. I remember you were working. But, look, here's the game plan for this game against Philly. The same game plan that we had against Tennessee. Gap control. Carl Banks is right. When you're going to stop a running team, you've got to have gap control. Yep. When you have gap control, they can't run like they want to somebody's going to be there to stop them if they go to the left or the right. But i have seen like, breakdown in the run game. We have to get back stronger. So I feel like we're going to have to be strong on a run, run defense.
0: Yeah, as long as we big ad. Philly's them got a much down. Yeah, but they got a much more dangerous passing game than Tennessee does. Because that AJ Brown guy used to be on Tennessee; he's now in Philadelphia. Well,
4: and a much more dangerous passing attack than Washington too. And oh, yes. by the way, the Commanders ran the ball effectively, especially late in the game too.
2: Right, and we got to be able to stop them. But look,
4: how did we beat Philly last year? Turnovers. Jalen Hurts had three he interceptions. Was,
0: he was awful last year. Yeah, and he turned it over to the Red Zones. Yeah,
4: we beat him again.
2: Yeah. That's how you beat
4: Philly Yeah, again. but you can't. Turnovers. But, 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 Big Ed, the point is, as yeah. we were talking about this off the top of the show, they've had one mm. game where they had four turnovers. That's what,
3: what? game. In- it
2: doesn't matter. It's yeah. us against them. It's still Jorans against Philly. No, but- we got to beat them down, beat them down, and continue to beat them down. Sure.
4: No, I'm not disputing that. The point <laughs> is how often do they turn the ball over multiple times in a game. That's the point. It's a they don't very... play the
2: Giants often, there. yeah. so therefore the Giants okay, have to okay, do what's okay. necessary to okay. knock I that I understand out.
4: that. We're just trying to bring the conversation <laughs> back to a little bit of reality. And and I, He's, listen, got, he's okay. got a
0: great idea. No, I, 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 just don't, I just don't, don't think it's a it it no, Big Ed, listen, <laughs> okay. we, we,
4: we respect the passion, and I understand where you're coming from, and thanks for the phone call. We're just trying to look at the numbers from a more realistic standpoint. And the point is, could the Giants get a few takeaways at the expense of the Eagles? Of course, can you go in banking on that poll? My point is no, no, you cannot. Not based on the developments. And of the by team. the
0: way, if you do get them, you better get points off of them. Look, yeah. I told everybody, everybody I could talk to at halftime of the Thanksgiving game against Dallas, it feels like the Giants are losing. They had two takeaways. They stopped the fourth down, and they were only up thirteen to seven at the half. I said this is not good. The war of attrition with this secondary. And with this wide receiving core the way it is, Dallas is going to come back throwing haymakers. And I don't think 13-7 to is going to be anywhere good enough to hold them off. And what did Dallas do? They came out and started the third quarter. They threw haymakers, and the Giants were taking a standing eight count.
4: It's more of a reason why you go back to that game that you're referring to in the first half. Dallas goes for it early in the game, right? They fail on the fourth down. And the Giants, the penalties, we know what happened, but... You didn't make Dallas pay. You got to do that. If Philadelphia coughs up the ball deep in their own territory and they give it to you essentially in the red zone, you have to walk away with a touchdown there. Because if you don't, it's going to be the Dallas game all over again. The Philadelphia Eagles, the chances of them playing two sluggish halves, slim. The chances of them turning the ball over four times in another game, slim. All of these things we're talking about. The reason we're bringing up the Washington game, Paul, and I know you know this, but just to reinforce it to the audience, is what it took for the Eagles
0: to lose their only game this season. Right. It took more of their deficiencies, their mistakes, their sloppiness, their stupidity. It took more of that than Washington socking it to them. And that's the
4: key here. So we do not have anybody fielding the phone calls, but I have put some individuals on hold. So when we go to the next caller, you have to identify who you are and where you're from because nobody has asked you that question prior. So once again, follow the leader, follow the directions. I go caller number, then you tell us who you are and where you're from. All right, let's practice this for the first time. Line three, name and where you're from. Welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello.
3: Hey, hey, this is David from Florida. How are you? Doing all Good right. Good to David, talk to you, David. What do you got for us? I am. Uh, first of all, the guy in preseason that was doing really well at wide receiver and went down with an Achilles. Was that what was his name?
0: You mean Colin Johnson?
3: Right, right, right. Any chance of? No, well, he's out for back? the year. Yeah, yeah, he's done he was year. IR'd before know, the
0: fifty-three. Year. Well, for I, next I, year. I, I mean, I'm sure they'll probably bring him to camp. But you know, okay. to, to say anything beyond that uh, doesn't make any sense right now.
3: Got it. So with that in mind, if everybody was healthy right now, I'm going to take this off the air. What do you think is the deeper need, receiver
4: or O line? I'm going to go. Have All right. right Dave. Appreciate the phone call, Dave. Well, Thanks so much. That's easy.
0: That's easy. They, they've they've got pieces on the offensive line. They even got guys right now that that, that have been injured. Guys like Lemieux. Guys like McKeithen. They got guys they got offensive line. I mean, receiver is by far the biggest need. But between those two spots, that's not even close.
4: Yeah, they have a lot more depth on the offensive line. They have competition there. Some of the guys, it hasn't necessarily panned out. And some guys, they've re-aggravated injuries. So you never feel 100% secure. But I think you feel as if you have some options, especially guys to develop, to your point. Because McKeithen, who was drafted from North Carolina, they didn't even get a taste of him this year.
0: He was going to be a redshirt player. Okay, Azudu was supposed to be a redshirt player. They didn't expect to have to play either one of those guys this year. Now, McKeithen went down with the early injury, so he was lost for the year anyway. But Azudu wound up getting the snaps that he got the first half of the season because their guard spots started to crumble and fall apart with more injuries. But the truth is, Azudu was supposed to be a year away from really challenging next training camp for a starting job.
4: Whereas wide receiver, the caller brought up Colin Johnson. Wondell Robinson is another guy. If we just look ahead of who could perhaps return, Sterling Shepard obviously is a question mark. Those are the three main guys that they lost at that position. And unlike the offensive lineman, my point is, Paul, I think there's more question marks regarding the status of whether or not they're going to have a roster spot for 2023. So that's more of a reason why I think wide receiver – Bigger need than offensive line when you look through the well, depth. Well, and chart.
0: don't forget, too, Slayton's in the last year of his contract exactly. as yep. well. So there's no guarantee that even he'll be back.
4: 100%.
0: And you can, we've
4: been asked this questions on this show, on other shows, you can grab wide receivers in the draft. You don't have to go out and throw money at the wall in free agency. We've seen a lot of teams, they mm-hmm. develop the nucleus of their receiving cores through the draft. It can be done. Now, would the Giants probably be better off doing some type of a mix? Sure, because you don't want to maybe rely on overwhelming youth, but the fact that you already invested a draft pick in Wandell Robinson, you add another guy into the mix, you'd have at least maybe two to three guys that have been drafted within the last year or two, which I think is a good foundation to at least build upon, and then maybe you bring in one guy in free agency.
0: You know what's really interesting? There were three acquisitions that the Eagles made this offseason – that I think truly put them into the position that they're in. They signed Bradbury after he was cut. They made the trade for A.J. Brown from Tennessee, and they made the signing of Hassan Reddick, who had been a free agent. Those three acquisitions, more than anything, have elevated the Eagles, in my mind, to the top of the NFC.
4: Well, and I'll throw in Jordan Davis was drafted. N'Kobe Dean is somebody that's getting some playing time now. Or maybe it's not as big as those other guys, but still Those other
0: three moves, to me, were just absolutely monumental. I'm not saying they didn't draft well or other guys haven't contributed, but those three acquisitions just, just say it all right now for me as to why this team is so dangerous. Which is why a mix of both the draft and free agency, to me, is the way to go.
4: I don't think the philosophy is that, oh, well, now if you have a little bit more flexibility in cap space, you have to go out and spend it. Remember, salary cap space carries over in the NFL, unlike some other sports. Mm -hmm. And it's not a bad thing to be in a healthy position where you carry a little bit over. You don't have to go out and spend everything every single offseason. Plus, remember... Paul, the Giants are going to have to make some decisions on guys currently on the roster as well. Let's not forget about that. So when people talk about they have some more flexibility than they did, of course, this offseason, some of that is going to be delegated towards players that you have to make decisions on.
0: No doubt. No doubt.
4: All of those come into play. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Line one, name and where you're from. Welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello. Hello. Line one going once. Line Hello? one going to yes. yes. If you heard a click, that's probably
0: you. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. That's okay. How okay. you yeah, doing? We're doing well. How are so you? So,
4: where? What's your name and where you're from? So we at least know who we're talking with.
6: Uh, this is Otis, and I'm from Harlem. Okay. Hello,
4: Otis. So, what's on your mind?
6: How are good. Uh, I just I just wanted to say I had called and talked to John. I think it was over the uh the off season, and I told John that we was going to be seven. I think seven and I think seven. I th- I knew we had a record of seven. Uh, so seven I and ten. That, yeah, that's what I had said at first. Oh, but I think that, that's reasonable. Uh, I think that we will make the playoffs. Uh, I think uh, you know this was this wasn't a season of you know that that's where that's what the expectation was. I think we overachieved. Because we we did beat a few teams that, you know, everybody thought that we wasn't going to beat. And I do think the Giants will make the playoffs. And I don't think we'll make it as far as, you know, the NFC Championship. But uh, I do think that uh, we'll make it to the playoffs.
4: Well, they're going to have to take care of business in the upcoming weeks. Huge games. It starts Sunday against the Eagles. The game against Washington we talked about of even more importance after the tie, and then you have a Minnesota team that's fighting for the number one seed. The Colts obviously have had their ups and downs, and then you're going to have the Eagles again. What does Philadelphia have to play for in that final week? We'll see. In all likelihood, they're probably still going to maybe have to play for the number one seed, so they could still have some mathematics in play, but the bottom line is four of the five remaining games are against teams that are in the playoff hunt. So if the Giants are going to get in, they're going to do it because they earned it based on the caliber of the competition they're playing.
6: Can I ask a question? Sure. What do you got? Okay, so so the Eagles is eleven and one. Don't that solidify them already as the number one seed, or they have to? No, well, because the Vikings only
4: have two losses, so the Vikings are right behind them. What happens if the Eagles lose another game?
0: The Giants would really help uh, themselves if they could beat Minnesota in a few weeks, because you want to give the Eagles yep. a little more space, exactly. so that potentially they can rest their guys with the number one seed in the bag when the Giants play them in the season finale. So that would be a, a double win for the Giants if they can knock off Minnesota. Uh, I
6: say, I don't want to help. I don't want to help the Eagles in no way. No, no, no. But that's well, not a yeah, bad idea. It could actually help the Giants <laughs> though
0: in the long run, Otis. That's See, not that's a bad, bad idea. So.
6: You know. okay, 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 yeah, I, I get what you say, I get what you say. All
0: right, guys, I appreciate the All call. Right, you got Thank it. you, Otis, enjoy the holiday. Yep, thanks for giving us a ring. You know, one thing to keep in mind, Lance, and I've always, I remember going back to the days of when I was first started doing this, I, I would always look at the math and everything and say, okay, well, at what point do you still control your own destiny if you win out? Not that it's realistic that you're going to win out anyway, but... Does it ever get to the point where, okay, now guess what? You've lost control of your own playoff destiny, and you will have to get help on the scoreboard. Well, even if the Giants lose this Sunday, they still are in complete control of their own playoff destiny. So let let me just explain that to you folks. If it doesn't go well on Sunday and Philly takes care of their business as the favorite, don't panic on Monday morning. Because the Giants still are in control of everything that they want to do. Well, the Washington game,
4: once again, just circle that game. I mean, that's essentially almost a play-in game based on who's in competition. And we talked about this on Monday's program. Right. The, so The, the NFC we West is a big
0: it. factor as well. But well, in, yeah. in, in all honesty, I'm just looking at one game at a time. And even if they lose on Sunday, don't think the sky has fallen. Tell Chicken Little to shut their, shut their trap because the sky will not have been falling.
4: And just in terms of the mathematics, the Eagles, technically, they're two games up on the Vikings because they won the head to head matchup. So that means in the event of a tie, Philadelphia has the tiebreaker. But once again, if the Eagles lose again and Minnesota wins this weekend, let's say, hypothetically right. speaking, you know, that tiebreaker, yeah, it's there, but you slip up again, all of a sudden Minnesota could take advantage. Not
0: so- that Lance wants Philly to. You know. No,
4: I'm just talking about the reality <laughs> of the math. I had no rooting interest whatsoever in any of this. I mean, I cover I'll the entire make, NFL. I'll anyway, make it clear. So. No, I, I don't right. think anybody was reading into that anyway. though. But no, we're just going over the mathematics here right. with Correct. respect to what could happen. And things change week to week. That's the other thing. That's why you don't they get do. too high. You don't get too do. low. You can win one game, and then all of a sudden the landscape completely changes. Mm-hmm. So time will tell. But yes, to your point, the Giants have the opportunity in front of them. I don't think anybody would dispute that. All right, that is going to wrap up Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. Certainly appreciate everybody tuning in. Today's episode, part of the Giants platforms everywhere, as well as Giants.com slash podcast. So we'll be up and running at 1130 a.m. Eastern with our pregame on WFAN, as well as Giants.com. We'll be outside at the MetLife Central stage at the MetLife Gate and MetLife Stadium if you're going to stop by at the contest and We will be back on Monday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live at 12.30 p.m., recapping everything that transpired over the course of this weekend. So, for Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll speak to you on Monday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one.